0: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and
1: other craft beer retailers. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with Andy Shea. Quick reminder first, Andy... You know, I always talk about our friends at New Trail Brewing and their White Out beer for your tailgate. You don't need a home game to enjoy New Trail beer. How about your party, Penn State, Michigan Watch Party? You could still enjoy Whiteout or any of their other great IPAs. And they deliver fresh and cold to your favorite retailer every week. They also introduce new beers almost every week. Your biggest problem is going to be to pick out which of their many options to select. That's why I also recommend you pick up one of their variety packs. Four different hoppy beers. You'll satisfy everybody at the party with that, Andy. All right. Are you ready to roll, sir?
2: I am ready to roll, Jimmy. Let's do it. It's Michigan week. Big game. It
1: is. Let's start with the news Uh, We always hit the rankings first. They're still ranked 10th in the country, so that makes this uh, game with Michigan a battle of top 10 teams. The first question when you go into a game like this, Andy, is how's the health of the team? I'd say all season long, they've done pretty well. But the latest, there were a couple folks. Ke'Andre Lambert-Smith went out early against Northwestern. It appears that he'll be ready. He was uh, spotted at practice, Andy. And, you know, James Franklin, who usually does – first says he's not going to say anything and then says he's hopeful uh, Lambert Smith could play. Struggling to have that number three receiver, I think that's good news for the team.
2: Yeah, the, they're going to need receivers in this football game, I think. I really do. I think they're the passing game for their offense is going to be – really important hint hint pick ball prediction and bowl prediction hint hint i think the passing game is going to be really really important for penn state in this game we'll get to that in quarter four i'm just giving you a little bit of a hint but yeah and hunter norzad has been nicked up a little bit you know a little more in and out than just being another guy it appears he's practicing this week i don't think tyler warren's played for a couple weeks but I don't know, it's pretty hard to get on the field if you're another tight end, the way Bretton Strange has turned into a, a complete beast of a tight end offensively, both as a blocker and a receiver. Man, has he emerged this year as uh, as a just a beast for this offense in so many different ways. It's a little bit hard if you're the second and third tight end to get on the field, but Tyler Ward's been a little bit nicked up as well. I think he got nicked up in either the – Ohio. I think it was the Ohio game where he might have gotten nicked up, but it appears both of them are available. So they have been, you are 100% right. The health of this team all season long has been exceptional. And that's that's a tribute to their program, their strength and conditioning staff a little bit, but you also need a little luck too, right? But, you know, you health do, is Andy,
1: important. And as we found out last year, it only takes one game to have things go south as far as health goes. And interestingly enough, a year ago, it was this game six against the top five ranked team on the road. So we'll talk a little bit later more about those similarities. You mentioned about uh, Tyler Warren having trouble getting on the field with how well Bretton Strange is playing. But they've been doing more two and even three tight end looks. So um, if if Tyler Warren's ready, I'm, I'm sure he will hit the field. A couple interesting things came up in James Franklin's Meet the Press this week. He was asked a bit, because he's brought it up, about looking for more plays, those explosive plays, specifically in the passing game. And, you know, Andy, I always get... He he definitely stated, oh, we want to hit more big plays. We need to do that. What scares me when he says that is... I always fear they're going to try and force it then.
2: Yeah. I think it, that they are forcing it there. There's no doubt about it. If you watch this offense, when it functions and functions, well, it's a little bit more of a plotting offense rather than sort of that, you know, hair on fire, you know, big strike potential. That is, that's not sort of the way this offense works efficiently. It, it, the play calling hasn't been as conducive to setting up, taking more big shots later in the game when the the game is tight. Now the weather against Northwestern also had something to do with it, but bottom line is the way this offense seems to function well is to, you know, that they don't have to take those shots to do well. excuse me, to do well. I do believe, that this offense could be more explosive. I don't disagree that he he has a point and and I see it in the in the mid-range passing game and sort of hitting guys 12 and 15 yards down the field and letting them use their ability to run after the catch, that's a big deal for this entire receiving core including the tight ends. The yards after the catch that these guys get in that sort of short and early mid-range passing game that they turn into 12 and 14 and 15 and 16 yard games. They need to stretch that a little bit more, especially against a team like Michigan. That's going to be critical and maybe get some more of the, what are defined as quote unquote explosive plays, but their long shots. They feel forced, Jimmy like, Oh look, they're cover zero. We have to throw the ball deep. So we're going to, throw the ball deep, and then it's you know overthrown and it doesn't work. It just feels a little bit forced right now. I think you're getting some explosive running plays, explosive plays in the running game. Uh, do those count? I mean, I would say if you look at it and say, is the running game producing explosive plays? Yes. Is the passing game producing the defined explosive plays? No.
1: I also think it's a little too simplistic to just say, Oh, Sean Clifford's not good at throwing the ball deep. It's also about the wide receivers getting open. Yep. And you it's know upwards. and I've also been told if if I say, hey, you know, if you're not good at doing that, don't do it. But Jim, what about balancing the attack? You have to do some of that. Well, you know what? Do the stuff that works until the other team shows they can stop it. And bring so many people up that it becomes obvious you ha- do have someone open deep. So, I- I'm I'm hoping that's the case this week. Andy, something else came up, and and it's an interesting statistic that James Franklin's teams are now two and five off of a bye week, and he was asked about that this week, and he gave. And and how do you answer that as a coach? You know, you don't say, well, obviously I've been screwing up during my practices during the bye week. You know, you're not going to hear that. But what's your take? Is there anything to it or is it just coincidence? And by the way, he did allude to the fact, oh, you also have to look at who the opponent is. But I will point out that three of those five losses were against Michigan State a few years ago. It was Minnesota, if you recall, when Penn State was undefeated. Nope. And if you didn't recall this, because I didn't right off the bat, is that Illinois last last year that got off a loss was also actually after a bye week. So would can you blame it on anything no, associated the, with the bye week? No, I don't. I
2: don't. I don't look at it anything because the law, the the two and five record is it speaks for itself. Right. But then you go, okay, well, you know, you have to look at who we're playing. Okay, James, let's look at who you're playing. You lost to Minnesota, to Michigan state, Minnesota, and Illinois during your tenure coming off by weeks, seven by weeks. Those are three losses. Those are three winnable games that you lost coming off a of bye week. Flip that ah, five and two. Ah, he's pretty good coming off the bye. So, The fact that it's Michigan, I don't think is relevant. I think the fact that, you know, he, yeah, he has to dodge the question because he's two and five coming off a bye week. Uh, We're not very good coming off the bye week. I need to dodge and duck around this a little bit. But that is a fact that this – and now this team's going on the road. They're playing a top-five team. There's a lot working against it and not being strong coming off the bye and getting two weeks rest is is another factor in the equation this week, and it definitely is part of what you have to look at when it comes to the Penn State-Michigan game.
1: I've And you and I talked about this a little bit when we were prepping for the show, Andy. To me, the bigger issue isn't so much uh, losses after the bye week. It's the loss after a loss, where they can't seem to put a defeat behind them. Now, you pointed out to me, Jim, if they lose to Michigan this week, that could be a talking point next week. You're right. But if you go back and look at losses that shouldn't happen, I think it's been they seem to have that little bit of a hangover after they lose a tough game. We've seen it for a couple years where they lost tough ones to Ohio State. So, you know, we'll put that aside Hopefully, we won't have to talk about it next week, Andy, but in case we do, that will be a topic. Last thing I want to bring up, and uh, James alluded to this also, what the bye week does is it gives you an opportunity to self-scout. Take a look at your team. You've got five game films to look at and say, oh, wait a minute, we have this tendency or that tendency that the opponent could take advantage of. What have you seen so far? That, in your assessment as a self-scout, what would you look at with this team?
2: So that's a a really interesting question. So self-scouting, I I almost am reticent to to address it, but I, I think their past defense, they're still a really good secondary, right? But their past defense probably hasn't met their expectations. I don't think you would disagree really, and I don't think they would disagree. I think the self scout is okay. We still have a good secondary and they play, they, they sometimes play better than they, that like, it appears they're playing better than they, than the numbers actually tell you, but you can get this. You can throw on this team a little bit and a little bit more than they would like. So in my opinion, the biggest self scout this week for them is Okay how do we sort of become a, the next level because we have all the talent in God's creation at becoming a little bit better pass defense going forward because we're going to need to make teams a little more one-dimensional in this run of next three games. And and that was the biggest one that stood out to me was I think they, the, the, the defensive secondary needs to be a little bit better against the pass.
1: I'll look at the other side of the ball, Andy, and just say – I think sometimes this offense can get a little bit predictable and they're a little bit reactive. We talked about it. Oh, they're playing a cover zero. We got to go deep. We want to establish the running game, so we'll force the running game. I think they've got to get away from those tendencies. That is it, Andy, for quarter number one in the news. Stick around. We got an interesting topic to go to in quarter number two. Stick around.
0: Zero, 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 000. welcome back to the keystone kickoff show brought to you by new trail brewing company new trail beers are brewed right here in central pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week when you're in happy valley be sure to find new trail at wr hickey and
1: other craft beer
0: retailers
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante, along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, just another reminder for the folks. Although the team is on the road this week, they're going to come back with back-to-back huge, huge home games. Minnesota, then Ohio State. It's the Whiteout. And then, of course, those Buckeyes. And if you're still looking for a place to stay for one of those games, The place to go is gopsurv.com. Great time. You could spend the whole weekend there. You drive there. The RV is there set up and ready for you. What a great place. They have the fire pits. They have the projection TVs. You can have your own grill, your own TV if you want. Just a, a, a food place there. Everything you could want, including a ride to and from the game. Fantastic way to spend the weekend. Those are the busiest weekends with those two gangs, but they still have just a couple slots available. If you're interested, give Mark a call at 800-519-8467. You won't regret it. It is absolutely a fantastic time. All right, Andy, quarter number two, I'm going to go a little off topic even though we're Michigan week. In fact, I'm going to give credit to you. You're you're the one who... uh, brought this up. You sent me earlier this week a text message with a quote from the Utah coach. And it's an interesting quote. He's And I'm not sure, Andy, he's got USC coming up this weekend, and he was responding to a question. So either the question, the answer, or both may have had something to do with facing USC. But here's the quote. He said, the top 25 NIL pots of money are going to mirror exactly the top 25 teams in the country. And, you know, I wanted to talk about this because it becomes, it's the big question. We've been talking about it for a while now. The question is just how much effect is NIL going to have on the game? And not just in overall, but the specifically how well the teams play.
2: So the other, the other party, he said he had a very, 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 you know, a couple varies in terms of when this is going to happen. In other words, NIL is moving fast and impacting the game of college football at a very rapid rate in his opinion. And I mean, if you think about it, he's not necessarily wrong now. I will say you could look at many factors in, in if you're looking at that. You know, how much money do you have for your head coach and your coaching staff? Coaching compensation. Who has the biggest recruiting budgets, right? Who has the most means to recruit? Those are factors as well. Who has the top facilities? That is part of the equation as well. But none of those are under the purview of the player. Right. Those are all part of the university. So, I mean, in one respect, I think, yeah, he kind of says this because, you know, coaching and coaching compensation are becoming sort of le- a little bit less valued as the player stock sort of rises in the NIL field. The universities have to have a little concern because you're recruiting budgets, the money you spend on coaches and your facilities, while still important are still not going to be as important as sort of what you can, you know, the monetary player incentive, the NIL money. So that institutional control thing that universities and coaching staffs kind of like to have, that's going to change. Now, do I think it's going to change at the very top? Do we think it changes in the top five or the top four, or maybe even the top seven to 10? I don't, that's where the change comes. I think more of what Kyle is talking about is in, say, the bottom 10 of the top 25 or the bottom 15 of the top 25. That is where I think the mirror can change and where NIL can impact it. Do you do you hear people talking about, hey, who had the top 25 number of transfers come in from the transfer portal? No, but you hear everybody talking about who is amassing the top twenty-five NIL sort of piggy banks? That is a huge field. It's a monetary player incentive. The players now have a, a say in the bigger picture, and I I do think he's right. I, I and it's going to be sooner than later that that is going to be one of those factors, and it might even be the most important. It could be a major factor. But it is quickly becoming a a very major factor in what, you
1: know, and how that plays out on the field because bottom line is talent matters. Andy, I'm going to take the other side on this. And not that I totally disagree with what you're saying and what the Utah coach is saying, but we have had for years an arms race or a money race, however you want to put it, money going into coaching staff, money going into facilities. And the same teams have been on the top for years and years and years. We did this exercise about going into the preseason this year. Who were the top four teams? Before they got on the field, before you see anything, it's Alabama, it's Ohio State, it's Georgia, it's Clemson. And guess what? I'm betting next year – at least three out of those four teams will probably be in the top four again. And I haven't even looked at the rosters, who's leaving. You know what? It doesn't matter. Those teams right. will be at the top. So NIL, if if this coach is saying, oh, no, this variable will change who's at the top or bottom. No. Well, we've essentially had that same thing happening, those who have spent the money. Now, the other part to this equation is this question of, is it fair? Is it going to turn into, Texas A&M is spending the most money, it appears. Well, so far, not so good for them. You right. know, it hasn't translated. And you know I'm a big baseball fan, and I use baseball for an analogy. Not too many years ago, when free agency first came about in baseball, it became oh, my goodness, the Yankees are going to win every year. There definitely is is a correlation between money spent and teams making the playoffs, but everyone's fear that the big, bad Yankees would win the World Series every year hasn't happened. They haven't won the World Series in 13 years. Meanwhile, you have a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, who are always at the bottom of the pay scale, making the playoffs almost every year. A few years back, you had the Kansas City Royals win the World Series. They found other ways to do it. And I will say this. It's fascinating to me that it was the Utah coach who talked about this. I went back and looked at his history, Andy, of recruiting talent, which should be the correlation with the NIL money, and where he ended up ranked. Do you know over what I – I think I went back like five or six years – He never had a recruiting class better than in the 30s, okay? Yet, final rankings, he's been in the top 20 every year. So he's already been proof that there are other factors involved than just how much money is being spent or how much talent you're able to acquire. One last note to make is Utah is in a state that doesn't compete with any, uh, well, They have the Utah Jazz and basketball, but there's no professional football team there. That makes their football team kind of the state team. Correct. I think that uniqueness can be used as an advantage for them. I think you're not wrong in that
2: there will be exceptions, Jimmy. But unlike, like you you talked about, you know, free agency in baseball, and there's no salary cap to this in college football. There's no... There's no ceiling per se. So money is the driving force. You and I both know that, that, you know, your facilities require money. Your coaching staff requires money. Your recruiting budget requires money. Now your players are going to require money with no ceiling, with no salary cap. So are the rich going to get richer? Probably. But is there a greater opportunity for, say, like a, a, a Mississippi? or like a program like Florida, or a program like NC State, you know, those kind of programs, a program like Maryland, are those type of programs going to be able to use NIL to ascend and make it, you know, add to the equation is what I, the way I look at it. And in most cases, I think Kyle is right in that this is going to affect it. This is going to have a major (laughs) impact.
1: But but is that a bad thing, Andy, that a team that isn't So we've already had examples of this. Oregon with Phil Knight. Oklahoma State with T. Boone Pickens. Now, the money wasn't going directly to the players, but it went into the program and it translated into performance on the field. Those teams ascended because of that. Again, is that a bad thing? Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, they're already at the top of the pecking order. So if they're spending money on players, it changes nothing. So if any team ascends, it's going to be a team that's further down the pecking order. And one last note to make on this, Andy, is there's also going to be a question of how wisely you spend that money. I'm a New York Mets fan. Okay, this last week or so, all the money they spent didn't help them out very much. But I'll also point out, you know, there was a bidding war apparently for a five-star quarterback among Florida schools where $8 million was going to one of these top-ranked quarterbacks. Well, here's the issue. On another show a year ago, whatever, we were looking at five-star quarterbacks, and I looked at a seven-year span where over half the five-star quarterbacks were a bust. So if you choose to spend all your money on that quarterback position, it may not turn out as well as you think. So if you you have a choice of spending $8 million on the quarterback or spreading that money out, there may be a decision to be made where it still becomes how smart you are in talent acquisition over and above how much you spend.
2: Yeah, so I, I love your question of how is this bad. I, I don't... I I asked the same question. I'm like, how is this bad? How is with all of the money in college football and, and, you know, college athletics because it supplies across the board, but especially in college football, with all this money, how can the the ones that produce the product, the players, how can an, an incentive for them monetarily, how can that be bad when there's all of these things that are already factors and money is being spent? ridiculously in some cases that give teams an inherent advantage this only serves to somewhat level the playing field and your point about the player incentive and the how you spend it is critical
1: all right andy i'm sure this isn't going to be the last time we talk about nil but we've got quarter three coming up we take your questions and we ask andy
3: New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in Central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd-pleaser. Packed with 4 different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone.
1: For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results.
0: Located right
1: here in State College,
0: we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call. At 814 206 000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers.
1: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andy Shea. And it's quarter number three. We all know what that means. It's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions for Andy. He'll give the answers. And then at the end of the segment, he will pick out a best question. You will get the great KSN polo shirt. So... Don't just send in a question. We need you to send in a good question if you want to win the prize. And, uh, oh, if you want to ask a question, download our app. It's called Keystone Sports. That's all you got to search on wherever you get your apps. You'll see it there, and you'll see an Ask Andy button. All right, ready to go, Mr. Shea. I am ready, Jimmy. Fire away. All right, and I'll tell you what. This happened with Ross all the time. Now it looks like it's happening to you, Andy. They're going to suck up to you, okay? They oh. want to suck up. Yeah. Let's start with Brad from Percisee, who says, I'm so excited that we have an Ask Andy segment. I asked for this in the offseason. I'm sorry, Brad. I don't recall that, but if if Brad says so, I'll go along with that. With that being said, Andy, which Penn State position coach are you most impressed with and why, not including the coordinators?
2: Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I have my answer. It is Miller <laughs> okay. Stubblefield, Penn State's wide receiver coach. I am massively impressed with the job he has done. For two reasons. One is, first of all, he came in and they had been through multiple um, receiving coaches, right? They had been through a group of receiving coaches year after year. They had had like three in a four-year stretch or something like that. They needed stability. I think it cost them a recruit in from Southern Columbia, who you might be familiar <laughs> with, a five-star receiver recruit. I think the instability and the the sort of you know lack of fluidity at the position, it's just not it's just not conducive to talent development. Not only did Taylor Stubblefield come in and he stayed a while, which is good, and he didn't either get fired or go somewhere else, but he has he has developed these receivers, and he turned KJ Hamler into a wide receiver. One he turned. Um, Jahan Dotson into a wide receiver one, um, you know, develop them so that when it came their time, they were those elite receivers. I think he, I think they have been consistent. They have been productive. They have gotten better even in 2020 when they had to put two true freshmen out there because they had to, because they were so thin in the depth chart. He knew they shouldn't have been out there. They kind of knew that they probably shouldn't have been out there, yet he was still able to make them productive in their role as true freshmen when they really shouldn't have been out there. So it is. that's a really good question, and it is Taylor Stubblefield,
1: wide receiver coach. I'm going to go to the other side of the ball, Andy. I'm going to go with Anthony Poindexter. Honorable mention to Terry Smith with the cornerbacks. But at safety, we're now turning in maybe even defensive back you, okay? The cornerbacks are really good, but the safeties, and you've got this junior college pipeline going on, which just means if they're junior college guys, they weren't the five-star kids coming out of high school. But it's now, it seems like, you know, we're going from – brisker to jair brown now it's wheatley the pipeline is there they just keep pumping them out i'm gonna go with the db coaches on this but uh good good question brad even though you did suck up to andy there um (laughs) let's go let's go to my friend dan from berwick who First of all, he was uh, his question came in a couple weeks ago, and I've been meaning to put it out there. He scolded me for not changing the app over quick enough to ask Andy. But it's been done now. It's been there for a couple weeks. But here's Dan's question. What does Penn State most need to work on to best prepare themselves for Michigan? Uh,
2: we talked about it a little bit in quarter number one. But just for Michigan, overall, we talked about self scout. Um, in quarter number one, and where I thought that was, which I kind of went on past defense a little bit because I don't think it's met expectations. It's not terrible. It's not a eyesore. But for Michigan, it has to be the offensive line. They need to work on becoming just a wee bit better. They, they, they can't be bad because they cannot let this defensive line or this front seven... Wreck best football game so that is a good question overall it fits right in for the Michigan game it has to be the offensive line for this game in particular
1: let's go to Eric in Ashburn Virginia Eric says love your work Andy when you're watching Penn State are there any players so far this season that the average fan really hasn't recognized when it comes to contributions that they've made
2: Oh, that is a really, really good question. Um, the listeners are really bringing it
1: this week. Yeah, aren't they? they're,
2: they're, they're bringing it this week. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who it's, Uh, you know who it is? It's, it's, it's Kobe King. It's the corner. That's the one he's not, because Joey Porter Jr. gets. You mean Ka- Kalen the King?
1: You mean I Kalen. mean Kalen
2: King, excuse me. Kobe's the linebacker. It's Kalen King. Thank you, Jimmy. It. Joey Porter Jr. is gonna get all the attention, right? As he should. He's an NF high NFL prospect and he's really good. But quietly, sort of under the radar, you don't see you don't see Kalen getting beat very often. You see Kalen knocking down passes. You see Kalen being sticky. So if you're not paying, you know, if you're not looking deep at it and you're just watching, you're like, but the way I watch a game, he's standing out to me consistently. With each passing week, so that is my guy. That's a really good question. That is my guy.
1: I'm going to give two names. One because you mentioned uh, Kalen King at cornerback. I'm going to also mention Johnny Dixon uh, yes. along with them. But good let call. me go. Here, here's my pick. And I know people have been, talked about him a bit, but I don't think they're giving him enough credit. And that's Olu Fashanu. Or now it sounds like it's. Fashanu is the way they've been pronouncing the name. Remember a year ago, Rashid Walker was at left tackle. He was being talked about preseason as a first-round draft pick. He did not play like a first-round draft pick. Fashanu has. He has played like a first-round draft pick. He's played very well. And the thing is, when you're an offensive lineman, even though we seem to talk about the offensive line a lot, they are not given as much credit when they play well as they are blamed when they play uh, poorly. So that, that's my pick. Let's see. Uh, well, we, got, we took care of Eric. Let's go to Chad in Kansas City who says, Not sure if this has been asked before, but here goes. What if we use Clifford slash Aller, kind of like we do did Pinneger and Stout, since it is a similar situation? Both are consistently inconsistent. Aller can hit the deep ball, whereas Clifford hits on about three percent of the time the deep balls. So maybe Aller comes in on third down, even though he doesn't have to always go deep with the pass on third down. Yeah,
2: I, I, I don't, I don't, you know. Sorry, Chad, but I don't like that at all. Um, I think when you telegraph your offense in a situational telegraph your offense, you just hand institutional control of that play to the defense the majority of the time. And, I mean, I don't, Jordan, yeah, I, Jordan was a punter. Jordan's an elite NFL punter already. And he was a punter, but as a kicker, he improved.
1: I, th- I think what he's talking about is you had Pinniger kicking field goals until it's a fifty-yard field goal. Yeah. Then you had the designated long kicker. I think he's saying, "Do you have a designated deep passer?"
2: Yeah. And and I just you can telegraph that with a kick because it's it's a kick no matter what. But I think in the course of a game, I don't I don't like that with a quarterback because I think you had too much control to the other team on the other side of the ball.
1: I think if you want to do something like that, I think especially at quarterback, you do it by series, you know, yes. or by possession. So, yeah. you know, if you want to get Drew Aller in there in the second quarter for one of the drives, because he has a little bit different skill set and has the defense has to look at something different that I think is the better way to go.
2: I'm a fan of that, Jimmy. I, I've, I've said it for a couple of weeks now. I'm like, get, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, you burn the red shirt, you know, for Drew already, if you're going to play him and, he, and you've got him for three years, then, you know, let's see him for a series or two in the first half. I don't have a problem with that. And I'd say it even against Michigan on the road, give him a crack. I don't see any, I don't see a downside to it yet. There hasn't been anything that tells
1: me there is downside. So why not do it by a series? You're hundred percent, right? Okay. We're going to change the tone here a little bit. This is Tim from State College. He says, Andy, what is the best dip, an item to dip at a tailgate? So what is the best gift? Dip. Dip.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, oh. Oh. Oh, okay. So it is. Well, while,
1: you, while you think, Andy, I'll give the right answer. It's buffalo chicken dip. But now you okay. could think about it and give your answer, which will be wrong.
2: I make a mean buffalo chicken dip, by the way, and it was at a tailgate earlier this season. But my personal favorite is, like, uh, a cheesy queso dip with, like, like a, a with meat in it and, you know, the cheese, and it's a couple different colors, and, oh, my gosh, I love a good queso dip. And it can't be cold. You somehow have to have the ability to keep it warm because it gets all gooey and nasty when it's cold, but... A good queso dip, and it's got to have, like, a, a taco-flavored meat in it. Yum, yum, yum.
1: <laughs> and I'll tell you what. Just full disclosure, we're actually recording this in the morning. It's about 930, and we can see each other. And I can tell you, folks, Andy's getting, like, a little excited. He truly is. It's 930 my in the morning. First question. It's my first individual <laughs> Ask Andy food
2: question. I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> oh, very good, Andy. Unfortunately, we are out of time for Ask Andy. In quarter number four, we'll be back. We'll do our Michigan preview. And Andy... I'll see if I could settle him down after the food question, and he's going to pick out a winner for us from the Ask Andy segment. So stay tuned for that.
3: New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration.
1: Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Poorman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Truststatecollege.com. For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located
0: right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T E K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers
1: welcome back to the keystone kickoff show it is quarter number four i'm jim Galante, along with andy shea andy we've got to pick out our winner from the ask andy segment who do you got
2: i'm gonna go with eric the uh question about um which player if you you know you have to look deeper or a little bit under the radar to find who's doing producing really well for penn state that was a really good question so congratulations eric
1: All right, very good, Eric. We'll be getting in touch with you. Got to give at least an honorable mention to Tim from State College for asking the food question. I know Andy enjoyed that. So next week, folks, don't be afraid to send your food questions in. Andy's eyes lit up when he got that food question. All right, Andy, it's finally time we get to talk about Michigan. Uh, Let's start with this. It's been around a seven-point spread going in. First of all, fair spread.
2: Yeah, the, the spread is the spread's rock solid, and, and the over-under is rock solid as well. Um, I, think, I think Vegas has an idea of where this game might head and go, and it's going to be up to Penn State to change that. Because in some respects, I will say this about Michigan, and we know they were a college football playoff team last year. Don't you think – I think they're a little bit more of a balanced football team – this year than they were even last year. I think their offense is a little bit more of a contributing factor to being playing more complimentary football. They were an outstanding defense, but when they got sort of, when when somebody was able to move, get their defense a little bit sideways, they could not respond offensively. And I think this team is a little more equipped on the other side of the ball to handle that better this year as compared to last year. So that's why I think Michigan is a seven-point favorite.
1: Uh, Just real quick, that over under that Andy alluded to is 51 points. So with that, um, you know, the seven-point spread, it means we're talking about what, like a 29-22 game is what the experts are, are picking. And you talked about their offense being better balanced, but the one thing they had lost some of their star power which is the the two defensive ends are no longer there Hutchinson and Ojabo they were both highly draft high ranked draft picks so they're both gone how does this team look defensively Andy is there that same kind of issue with their defensive line that there was a year ago
2: Yeah I I still think oh, I still think their defense is, is is exceptional, Jimmy. There's no other way to put it. I mean, overall, if you're going to say, you know, look inside a box, I th- I'll just say this. I think the Michigan defense is going to have a say in the outcome of this game. I mean, they're still – their schedule hasn't been as good. It's not as weak per se. Early on it was weak, but it's not quote-unquote as weak. I think Maryland's a little bit of a tough out, and I think they played poorly against Indiana – and still won by three touchdowns. But their defense is top five in the country in total yards and in points allowed. But I also will say this on the flip side. Why do I have a feeling that if Penn State wins, their defense is going to have a say in this game, right? They have a top five rushing defense. They have a top 15 scoring defense. These are two of the top seven defenses in the country against the run right now that is kind of what both teams are going to want to start and build on is running the football and they're going to run into two brick walls, it appears. So that is the sort of the crux to this game. And when you're talking about Michigan, they, they still, they still have enough talent up front to, to, to wreck a game. That is the, you know, they've got what they have. What, what did I, I think they have, they have, you know, They average six tackles for a loss and three to four sacks a game still. That's game-wrecking. They can still – they thrive on their defense, particularly their defensive front, sort of wrecking the other team's offense. That is a big factor in this game. Penn State's offensive line has a little bit more heat in its kitchen this week. Not that they have to be – all of a sudden become that sort of game-changing offensive line. They just have to not let Michigan's defensive line sort of wreck this game and, and sort of become that sort of, you know, catalyst that fuels and, and leads them up. That is the responsibility of Penn State's offensive line is don't let Michigan wreck this game. They're going to get some of there that is theirs in terms of tackles for losses and sacks on occasion because they're still really good at it. Just don't let them become a game wrecker. Don't let them do what they did last week in a sort of a tight game that shouldn't have been tight against Indiana. All of a sudden, their defense just started taking over, and I think they had like seven or eight sacks. And they just wrecked the game. The offense joined the party, and that was it. That is what Penn State can't let happen.
1: Andy, i you know, um, not saying that it's not a good defense or good offense, but um, I saw a stat somewhere this week that said, Michigan and Alabama are the only two teams in the country that are top ten in both offense and defense. I poo-poo any team statistic for Michigan when you figure they played Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, which are just like one step ahead of playing Bloomsburg or Stroudsburg. They won those three games by a combined 166-17. to So that's going to skew all of your team statistics. Let's look instead at the three games that they played since then, which are their three conference games. They beat Maryland at home by a touchdown, 34-27. They beat Iowa 27-14. And Indiana, as you pointed out, they won by three touchdowns, 31-10. But that was also a 10-10 game at halftime. But if there's at least an individual statistic from these three games that I think is worth pointing out, it's Blake Corum, and it's both the number of carries and the number of yards. Maryland, he had 30 carries for 243 yards. Iowa, 29 carries for 133. And Indiana, 25 carries for 124 yards he's going to get his is what is what you take from that
2: they're going to feed him oh they absolutely will feed him and and he averages 6.2 yards a carry and it, yeah half of their games were against tomato can layups but he is the horse that sets up everything they do offensively he they demand that you focus on him you know Jim Harbaugh on that offense they demand that you defensively focus on him because they are not shy about feeding him and and he's a horse that in turn is what opens up their offense that's why sort of if you watch their offense this year it's a slow burn it doesn't come out and sort of you know that that he's not getting the explosive runs because he, they're requiring you to force and focus on him of course he's not getting those big runs But they are forcing you to to focus on him because then they throw in their young sophomore quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. And it generally kind of comes and builds as the game goes along. He completes almost 80% of his passes, Jimmy. He's thrown one interception and nine touchdowns. And in six games, he's got almost 1,100 yards. He's not throwing it all over the lot. They have a formula. They build with Quorum. And then if they need to, they open up their offense a little bit. While you're looking inside, McCarthy's throwing the ball around a little bit. So that is how they like to do it. That's why Penn State has a good matchup defensively against them. They have a good secondary. Have they been a little bit touched up? Yeah, but they, in a tight spot, I think they're trustworthy. And it's the second layer of this game is, okay, if you kind of make quorum, he's going to get some. He gets his, but he doesn't sort of take over the game, and you make them come after you a little bit differently. That's what Michigan does, and that is where Penn State has a little bit of a matchup advantage, I think.
1: All right, Andy, we got a couple minutes left. We need a prediction from you, and we need a bold prediction, then I'll give mine.
2: Yeah, so I I like this Penn State offense, and it is not your thrill-a-minute, light-it-up offense it is instead sort of quietly efficient and of an effective that sort of grinds on you <laughs> i kind of like that i think they get out of the gate kind of early and get get a get a lead in this game and that won't fault, falter michigan penn state has to be better on third down end of the game right there there it is watch for third down run run pass punt is a loss right play calling is going to matter Michigan is is very good on third down. They're almost – they're somewhere between 45 and 50%. They're efficient and good on third down. Penn State is not. They are in the th- low 30s. So they have to be better on defense. Um, I'm going to go Michigan 20, Penn State 17. I struggle – I want to see Penn State win. They have to win one of these games before I'm going to pick them – to win it, they're two and five coming off the bye, as we said in quarter number one. My bold prediction, for my pick to be wrong, I'm couching this a little bit, for my pick to be wrong, and Penn State to, to have a positive result in this game. My bold prediction is Sean Clifford will have to throw three or more touchdown passes.
1: That that is bold, and it does contradict your uh, prediction because with 17 points, that's only two touchdowns. Here, yeah, Andy, I, I, you know, you have my, my to look be- at it. You gave, you, know, third, you gave third down as the, the critical down. I'm going to change that up, and I'm going to say first down is the critical situation. I don't want them to fall into that predictable. We're establishing the run on first down. That's what puts you in the bad position where you end up in third and long and have to pass. Sean Clifford having to pass is not the formula for success for Penn State. In my mind, it's first down is the best down to pass on for Sean Clifford. He could do a lot of play action passes from that, and the opponent has to respect the run with these two freshman running backs. I, I picked Michigan to win before the season. I said the two losses for Penn State were Michigan and Ohio State. As the season's gone on, I'm more and more impressed with this Penn State team. I'm going to pick a Penn State team win which may surprise folks but I have Penn State winning 30 to 24 and my bold prediction for them to win the game Andy you pointed out that uh, Clifford would have to throw three touchdown passes I'm gonna say Sean Clifford needs to be a factor running the ball for a couple reasons a couple of those third down plays Use his feet to get that first down. Also, if they're running those zone reads where it's either give the ball to the running back or the quarterback keeps, you've got to at least be a threat to keep the ball. Not only will that have openings for Sean Clifford, but it'll make things easier for the running backs too. All right, Andy, that's it for the show. Everyone enjoy the game this weekend. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show.
3: New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in Central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone.
1: for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College.
0: We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.